Welcome to Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings. I have a good feeling about tonight, David. And other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. My name is Joe Hilliard, of course, from across the table from me every week. Dave Gurney. And this week... Oh, I'm excited. We have yet another special guest. We, for, for those uh, who, who listen every week, you know that uh, our third chair, which used to be filled by our co-host, Carlos Cooper, mm. um, it is vacant at the, at the moment. So we're kind of uh, having some friends come in and, uh, and chat with us. It's All Horror October. You know that. It's the last episode of All Horror October. Happened too fast. Um, and even before, though, we, we planned any guest in All Horror October, I think one name came to both Joe and my minds when we talked about who could we from among the various people that we've chatted movies with over the past you know four almost five years now uh doing the podcast who who could we bring on and we kind of thought our dreamless guest was a longtime listener if anybody jumps on the discord and, and and is doing stuff there they know this name they know this guy his name is kyle ferguson um we've mentioned him many times on the show before uh, we, we reached out to Kyle, and he so graciously agreed to jump on with us and do this. So welcome to Beer in a Movie, uh, officially, on, on your first episode appearing with us, Kyle Ferguson. Thank you so much. Appreciate uh, being invited to be here, and I like the tease of first episode because <laughs> I would not mind returning. I'll just say that right now before we even start. Well, l low expectations, Kyle. I mean, clearly David didn't pump you up at all. And, uh, you know, if, if you crash and burn tonight, uh, we're not likely to see you well, again. Well, you know, among our among our many listeners uh, who, who will converse with us in, in various forms, I think, you know, Kyle quickly established himself as the one who had the deepest and, and most passionate connection with the genre of horror yeah no, i think right unquestionably no no doubt kyle uh, you've got a lot to say we've been talking off mic leading up to it but kyle I, I, i'm excited also because we're going to share the same beer uh david what, what are we drinking tonight well so you know we, we have the challenge here kyle um is obviously well not, not, maybe not obviously to others but he is not with us here because partly uh he, he lives in a much different area of the country he's mm -hmm. over on the west coast mm -hmm. um different time zone all that uh so it's a little hard even though the craft beer scene we, we can get a lot of different things in a lot of different areas of the country it's a little hard to line up perfectly with what's in say you know a, a west coast market which already has a lot of its own great breweries out there um, with what's here in our little South Texas market, uh, where, where we get, you know, lots of different stuff from around the country, but certainly a lot of Texas ales. So we had to go for one of those bigger craft breweries, and we did try to keep it craft with our choices here. Um, and we also went seasonal, because if we're going to have to go a little bit bigger with, with what we're doing, we might as well try to make it seasonally appropriate, and this being the last All Horror October episode. Um, we kind of targeted what, what was out there for those kind of pumpkin ales, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we did one last week with uh, the Pumpkinator, but but this week we're doing one that I think a lot of our listeners, no matter where you're located, have probably seen on their shelves, if not tried themselves already. This is Pumpkin Ale from Dogfish Head Brewery. They are out of Delaware. Um, we've had Dogfish Head on the show before, but this one in particular is a brown ale brewed with those pumpkin and the pumpkin spices that you'd expect it says pumpkin and spices but i think the most important thing is that the spices are there and this is you know kind of in the 
edging up towards something a little heftier here at 7%. Yeah. So I haven't had one of these in a long time. This is definitely an ale that I've had in the past, but I think it might have been more than five years ago. Yeah, it's been a while for me too. I avoid that pumpkin often. Yeah, I, I don't even want to talk. Kyle, are you a dogfish head a guy? We know that you're a craft beer guy. You sent us some amazing beers that we enjoyed from Claremont uh, Brewing. Yeah, Claremont Craft Ales, yeah. Um, I have had a, um, quite a bit of dogfish head before. I know they do like the minute IPAs, you know, 60, 90. Yep. Those are both really good. Um, there's one, uh, I want to say like a tart lime or something like that. That's oh, yeah. at our local AMC um, that I haven't gotten because their cans are old stock and I don't want to drink uh, expired beers. What are you going to do? But, like um, hearing? but yeah, when I saw this one and, and pumpkin, you know, I'm going to force uh, pumpkin spice into anything I can, <laughs> especially around this time of year. So, so nice. I figured that was a good, uh, a good grab. Yeah, yeah. And of course, days away from Halloween when this drops. So, Kyle, I mean, you are our resident, as you said, David, Discord horror guy. Um, you know, last week we did two new releases, Halloween Ends and Pearl. We did not get a chance to see Terrifier, Terrifier 2. I know you got to see that one, Kyle. It, all of the news cycles saying that people are passing out, throwing up at the theater. What, what did you think? So, I... I have to warn people that it is for one very extreme on the gore um, but also if you're looking for like high-end artful storytelling um, maybe maybe not the pick that you're you should be going for um, we're, we're there to watch people kind of get taken apart in various grotesque ways yeah. um, and in a way that is uh, it has a, a sadism to it that isn't often matched. Um, you know, me as kind of a purveyor of especially that type of movie, I was shocked, you know, um, especially watching The Terrifier 2. Um, you know, when you see the first one, there's like a main scene, you know, when you hear people talking about it, that's the scene they're referring to. Where uh, the bisexual essentially, scene. Essentially, yeah, a woman is essentially sawed completely in half with a hacksaw. Um and she is fully nude, and it shows the entire thing happen. It's extremely graphic. Um, but, like, the rest of the movie kind of has a very low-budget, um, maybe not the, the best written dialogue, you know, but it kind of has, like, a campy vibe to it. And then you get hit with that, and your eyes are, like, having to contend with what you're seeing. You're like, oh, I thought we were in for kind of some schlocky fun, but this is a lot more... Uh, cruel than you would expect given the tone of it so far um but uh the second one truly goes there you know there's a lot of truly gross stuff in there um our theater experience with me and my partner went to see it um now i i didn't see this man return um adrian said that he did come back but the the person sitting next to me got up and left and i never saw him return you know um (laughs) but as we were leaving the theater there was throw up on the stairs we had to kind of step over step over puke to leave the theater oh my god um, Uh, yeah the mark of a fantastic cinematic experience (laughs) an impactful one and cinematic, you know, you got to go in knowing knowing what you're there for. You know what I mean? It's not like uh, we're not watching um, 
necessarily high art, even though art is the name of the clown. It maybe is a little bit satirical in itself, but uh, you are you are literally but, watching but, art, but not high art. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is it is extremely gory though, and if you want to watch some cruel shit happen to people that don't deserve it, it's absolutely terrifier too. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm uh, excited especially because the. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, I was going to say you might even be able to still see it because every weekend I keep seeing um, that it's making more and more money with each passing week and it's kind of getting just larger distribution. Oh, yeah. So you you might even get a chance. They're capitalizing on this news. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's been playing. It's been interesting to see how it's played here. Um, There there are a couple theaters that have had it playing in our market and it's it's. It started out, it was like just getting one screening very late at night, you know, like the 10 o'clock screening mm-hmm. kind of ended it. And then I saw them add a couple more, and now you can get matinees. <laughs> you know, it, it's definitely, they're seeing people come out for it clearly, and they're deciding to add more and more screenings rather than taking it back. So as of this week, it's still playing here. I may try to make it out. I was so curious, though, because of all this talk of, how people have been uh, affected by screening the new one. I finally did get around to watching uh, the first one, at least, which is on multiple free streaming platforms at this point. Oh, you did watch it? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I hear what you say. And I, and actually, maybe in After Hours, we can talk a little bit about... Sure. Um, because I, I align with you pretty closely, but I, I do think that art character is something unique that yeah. I, I hadn't quite seen in a horror villain before. Yeah, I want to get... Kyle's take on Halloween ends. We can do that in after hours too. Yeah. After hours, uh, patreon.com because beer in a movie podcast, because we have some films that we've actually all watched that we want to talk about sure. this week. Yeah. Right. We do. We asked Kyle to program the episode and he did. I hope, I mean, I think a stellar job. Uh, the first film we're going to talk about today is 1985's reanimator. Kyle, why did you pick this one on our double bill tonight? So, Essentially, with Reanimator, I was trying to think of movies that kind of have more Halloween energy. You know, not just a horror movie, but Halloween energy. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get um, kind of a fun party more vibe, you know, a little bit silly. Um, don't lose the gore. There's going to be gore there. Um, but, but more fun, you know, kind of a smattering of everything you could want. We've got some living dead we've got a mad scientist we've got um you know like the hubris of man it's like a kind of a similar to the frankenstein story and they even go there more in the sequel bride of reanimator um but that's that's kind of why i was leaning towards that one it has the uh the kind of spooky energy while not being like you're not going to watch midsummer for halloween it's not like a halloween feeling sure you know and i was trying to go more for that vibe well, Reanimator, like, like I said, 1985, it's loosely based on an H.P. Lovecraft uh, serial novelette that he had put out in, about in, the, in the 20s. Uh, Herbert West is played by Jeffrey Combs, and the, the film begins with him in overseas, overseas, Switzerland, Switzerland, uh, and a failed experiment with his own, like, like uh, doctor, uh, what am I trying to say, professor, uh, where Gruber. he, we get Hans Gruber, not to be confused with the Christmas Hans Gruber, <laughs> different holidays. Uh, but we walk in on a grisly scene where he is injecting Dr. Gruber with some kind of fluorescent green goo and his eyes bulge out and he basically explodes. Then he moves to America where he enters into a uh, medical school. 
uh, having this reagent that can revive, reanimate deceased bodies. Uh, he and his classmate and roommate, Dan, Dan Kane, played by Bruce Abbott, begin to test the serum on human dead bodies because they have access to the morgue. And then uh, they're in conflict with the, I guess, brain specialist at this um, American hospital. David Gale plays Dr. Carl Hill, who happens to be infatuated with Kane, Dan Kane, the, the friend and roommate's fiance played by horror legend, 80s horror legend, Barbara Crampton. And then things just get fucking weird, man. <laughs> things get fucking weird. And I saw this movie, it, it, you know, on video back in 86, 87. Perfect film for a group of guys at like a sleepover or something, 15, 16. Because everything you said, Kyle, mad scientist, Frankenstein element. And then, of course, uh, I imagine we're going to talk about... Um, a very specific scene in a little bit. You're talking about the assault scene. I'm talking about the assault scene. Yeah. If we want to, you know, uh, turn it into something, you know, uh, well, we definitely need, we'll need to address that for uh, we, sure. We got for to. sure. Yeah, because I, I did hype this as kind of being fun, and it is to an extent. But that, yeah, yeah, there comes a point where are you still on board or are you out now? You know? <laughs> you're right. You're right. There's a tap out moment. Well, it, it's yeah. yeah, and and I don't think you know. The, I feel like we're jumping ahead. Yeah, I feel like we're jumping ahead. But it, but I, I hear what you're saying. Um, it, first of all, I think you're right that this this film has a sense of fun about it. There's kind of a campiness to it. Um, the the performances. I mean, um, uh, Combs right is the uh, is is Herbert West right? That was sure. the actor. Yes. I mean, he's fantastic. Uh, you, you you know, I, I a performance that sort of emblazoned upon my brain even though i hadn't seen this film in a number of years i remember how like just he has this intensity intense all every of the time word that he speaks and and it seems right i mean like he's you you kind of buy it because look here's this you know driven scientific mind that just wants to prove that this thing is possible and no and, and you know all of the medical establishment at least is represented here by the university here uh, um Oh shoot! Oh, what's the? It's, it's a great Lovecraftian mescatonic, yeah. Um, th that you know th they're against it. They think that this is ridiculous, and there he is. He has to be the one who like sort of just pushes science ahead, despite all the doubters, despite all the uh, the naysayers. So it, the, the intensity is called for in, in a certain way. Although there are times where it just becomes almost comic. How, how much, especially, I mean, I, I love, you know, the, the scene early on where he's become roommates with Dan. And, uh, of course, um, you know, they, they go into his bedroom and and find Dan's cat in the fridge. In the mini fridge. Right. Um, he's Rufus. <laughs> yeah. And, right. And, again, another another one that can be a, a, a hot-button topic for pe people or, or a, a line not to cross, cruelty to animals. There is... Nothing that's super super graphic. Although once they start reanimating and stuff, it does it does kind of get weird. But then clearly it's some kind of puppet. Mm -hmm. um, but I but I know that that's a but but that scene in the bedroom. He's so <laughs> I do not like people in my bedroom. <laughs> Just like so intense about the whole thing. I thought I rented a private room, Dan. Yes, exactly. My, my favorite part of that exchange when he says. Uh, and he says, oh, well, I was going to tell you that the cat died. And they're like, well, you could have called or written a note. And he said, what would a note say? 
at bed details later. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I mean, and very practical. Come on. That's a scientific and, mind. And it's always with the straightest face. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And you can't really argue with that logic, too. Right. Uh, he's right. That, that, that would not make sense. Yeah. But did he kill the cat? That's my question. Did he kill the cat to reanimate it? I, don't you know, know. I would have to assume so. I would think so, too. What, is, what does a cat matter? This is a man of science. He tests on cats probably all the time. That's that's probably true. That's probably true. He's he, he's willing to bend some rules uh, or, or some ethical uh, lines he's willing to cross. Um, so, so I remember this film very fondly and it was exciting to get to come back to it because, I mean, for one thing, it, you know, it's one of those films that, for, you know, from the 80s has that sort of. I don't know, like DIY spirit to it. It's kind of amazing that they were able to put this together on the budget that they had, one of those kind of productions. Um, and I know there's a whole history to that, that like initially, right, they wanted to do this as a play, and then they thought maybe a TV series, um, which was less practical, <laughs> but somehow they thought that was a better idea. But then eventually it sort of, you know, segued into them doing it as a film, um, and deciding that they actually needed to do it, they shot it on the West Coast, right? Even though they were all based in Chicago, um, in order to have proximity to the effects and, and stuff that they need to do. Is that right? I'm getting that right. I, I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. So I really did like the practical effects in the film. Yeah. Um, it, you know, the 80s. See, let's see what Friday the 13th was uh, 1980, right? And uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was 84. 85? It was earlier, right? I don't know. It would have had to have been 84 because I actually took down some 85 movies here and there's a Friday the 13th, uh, part five. Right. Comes out in 85. And Nightmare on Elm Street, part two, uh, Freddy's okay, Revenge, so comes out in 85 as well. Yeah. Sure. So my my the reason why I always bring up the Mount Rushmore guys is because for most casual horror fans, they, they remember if they were around the the rise of those larger you know the larger franchises so the practical effects here were that extension that kind of was born in the mid 80s when we needed to ramp up that horror the ramp up the gore a little bit because audiences were, were becoming a little more used to it a little more savvy about it and so this was around the time where you're beginning to see day of the dead return of the living dead kind of like gross them out on purpose films and this certainly does fill in there feel like fill that space the same space with those films definitely um uh, some others uh demons um i don't know if you've seen that one uh lumberto Baba. it's yeah. essentially evil dead in a movie theater with all the pus and blood and ripped apart bodies you can imagine goes along with that yeah yeah no classic italian horror right there oh, yeah yeah with the score just going crazy. Um, not all of Goblin, but I believe the the main guy behind Goblin is the is score. It, yeah, Claudio Simonetti, maybe is mm -hmm. that, is it? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you're you're right. This is kind of a, a a golden era in terms of gore and in terms of bringing that in in the the ways that a lot of those films did. In uh, this film, but what I love, you know, okay, so this film has gore, mm -hmm. but it also has, I think, just such creative. Um, reasons for using it or, or ways of doing it. Like, I mean, I think the big, uh, the big trick here, right, is is obviously Hill 
once he gets involved and he gets killed, right? That means spoilers, right? This film's been out forever. Um, well, it's the one-two punches. Bar- the Barbara, yeah. Barbara's father, who is the dean of the school, right. and then Hill, the doctor over uh, our protagonist. Protagonist? Is that, is, that, is that technically accurate here? I guess so. Yeah, well, kind of like the one-two punch to, to take uh, West out of school. And so they he begins to, I guess, plot out how to continue doing his research by more or less taking out the two people that are against him in the campus. Right. Well, and and in particular, when it, when he does it with Hill, as uh, as Kyle just alluded, using a shovel to, yeah. to decapitate him. You got to do what you got to do. Splitting the body and reanimating both parts, right? Reanimating the head and the rest of the body. Mm-hmm. And those things operating together. (laughs) Independently, but together. Tag team. Yeah. Um, And so you have a lot of these great scenes where you have, you know, either the body doing something while the head is occupied otherwise, or the body carrying around the head in various positions to be able to get to different areas and see things. And which is, it brings in some of the humor of it. Oh, totally. I mean, seeing this lumbering, you know, kind of headless body doing things and and bringing this head around, some of it, as disgusting as it is, is quite hilarious. Especially, uh, I mean, given that it's all practical, you know that there's just a man sitting underneath this desk with his head just kind of slightly ajar, right? you know, um, pretending it's in this, this tray of blood. Yeah. As he's making this kind of semi-orgasmic face, like that he's <laughs> leeching the blood up through the tray in his neck stump, and he just keeps making these weird, like, like weird breathy noises as he kind of sucks it up and is getting nourishment out of it some gross way. Yeah, no, it's it's great, and and you know, for, forget about don't don't question yourself on like how is this circulating through the head? There's no heart to pump it, but that's right. okay. Yeah, we're, we're gonna it's, concerned. He's already back to life. We're past science. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but but it is a lot of fun when you're seeing the the body just empty out these uh, blood transfusion bags into the tray so to, that he can yeah reverse osmosis. He looks like he's relieved. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Um, but that does you know actually I guess that does kind of bring us because it's once those things get separated there. And Hill still wants to pursue um, Halsey, you know, the um, Dean Halsey's daughter. What, what's her, her Barbara? Name? Barbara, thank you. Uh, well, that's her that's name. Megan. Megan is Hal- Megan Halsey. Megan um, Halsey, yeah. Right. So, you know, he's pursuing Megan. And, it, you know, obviously it's already lecherous to begin with. Oh, he's yeah. an older man. He's He's been a family friend, right. one, one would assume. I mean, there's like a dinner scene where it seems like he's been a guest at the house before. Right. And he he's this, always leering, and oh. he's always like, uh, you're looking especially lovely tonight, right. Megan. Right. He says something like, fall under the obsession of your spell or some creepy shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, so so you already know that there's something going on, and, and they're suspecting it too. I mean, Dan, Dan and uh, uh, and and uh, West are, are already kind of thinking that. But... Then, you know, when it actually, when, when this, you know, him assaulting her happens, it is just so strange and off-putting. Now, again, this is, if there is a villain in this movie, it is absolutely him. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, without a doubt, he is a despicable character. He's taking credit for work that's not his own, right? West has accused him of building his whole career on the work of Gruber, right. who, you know, that his uh, mentor from, from Switzerland. Um, 
So your theories on the brain, what what does he say? Your theories on the brain are so tired that, so dated that uh, back in Europe, we call it plagiarism. Yeah, yeah, right. To deliver the way he delivers every single line, which is just fantastic. Yeah. So, So when it goes down, I mean, like, it's clear that this is a terrible, terrible thing. But then there is something just strangely, like, black comedy about the whole thing because it's a it's a bodiless head that's doing the, I mean, with the the help of the body that's doing the assault, you know, leading right up to this moment where he's about to essentially make the head go down on her. Right. And, and it's just so it, I remember seeing it when I was younger and my eyes bulging out of my head and being like, what are they doing? <laughs> they can't do this in a movie. Cause I saw, I saw it at a slumber party where I don't think any of the participants had been old enough to even try to do that in real oh, life. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, So yeah. we're seeing something very, very forbidden and yeah. macabre. And, and I don't think that the adult audience, I didn't see the film in the theater. I, I can only imagine you're seeing something really for the first time. And I think because it's a decapitated head, they were able to get the R rating for what they did show because it's so beyond reality. Yeah. I mean, if you did that back then with like two adults that were having right, a, if that had, if that had been affair, a head attached to a body, right, and the man was off going in, I think it, you're right. I think that might have been hard to get an R. Which, uh, I mean, that kind of brings me to something I wrote down here is uh, sexual assault is kind of a shock value or like a yeah. gag in a horror movie. Um, the same could be said about The Evil Dead, which yeah. is another oh, one of my trees? favorite movies. Yeah, where, where I feel like that's, a, that's another way that they can kind of get away with doing something that fucked up. Yeah, You know, you make it be a tree, you make it be a disembodied head, and you're kind of able to get away with more than you would if instead of it just being like the creepy guy next to you at the grocery store doing these same things. Yeah. It just makes it so much more unsettling. But I feel like we did uh, gloss over the grossest part of that for me, which is that her dad is present. Yeah. And that's true. Yes. And, the, and, the reanimated and version of Halsey. Because yeah. he's undead. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, I don't know. That's a that's pretty sadistic, you know, to like make the dad watch you take advantage of the daughter. It's just absolutely fucked up. Right. But and at that but at that point he's also gained mind control over Halsey, right? By doing the lobotomy procedure on him with the uh the laser there that he has. And the, oh, right. So it's kind of a throwaway scene too where you know, you see a file that he has on Megan, uh, Dr. Hill has on Megan. And they say, like, oh, he's exerting some kind of psychic control. Yeah. And we're just supposed to be, okay, he's a little psychic. Yeah. I guess we don't know what to do with that information. But then we find out, you know, once he's able to kind of control these uh, undead minions. I don't think it's a detail we should lose our head over. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) But but you're right. And I've heard, I I haven't seen it, but I've heard there is, there were additional scenes where at one time they elaborated that whole thing more and they made it clear. Like, I think he actually did some hypnosis earlier on. So it established that Hill was also, um, you know, alongside studying, uh, you know, whatever else he was about the brain, he was looking into control of the mind through things like hypnosis. And, mm-hmm. yeah. He actually does something like that to West and in the scene right before he gets decapitated right. with the shuttle. He says, you know, you will do what I tell you to do. 
Yes. And Wes just kind of hands over all his notes and, and then kind of shakes himself of it and grabs the shovel. Right. Um, but, you know, it's kind of hinted at, but not like a fully fleshed out thing. And that's yeah. kind of a thing I like about this era of movies is, you know, you're watching, I mean, as straightforward as a movie about zombies and mad scientists can be. And then all of a sudden you're like, and this guy's psychic too. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be mad at this. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. It's, I, I mean, I, I, I don't get mad at it either. And, and part of it is like, again, it, it signals in so many ways that it's not taking itself too seriously. Like it gives you opportunities to laugh at what's going on. Um, that, you know, I think I'm much more willing to go with the film and we already know I've established, I'm, I'm the guy who, who gets the least hung up on the rules as anybody. So you, you can throw things in that are absurd and I'm going to go with them as long as I'm having a good time and I'm enjoying it. Yeah. And I guess I'm the one that gets the most hung up on the rules. But for me, if the film is presenting itself as a film where the rules are, are, aren't even to be taken seriously, then you, you give it a pass. I guess my question is, it's a difficult film to imagine that I didn't see as a 14, 15, 16 year old boy. Had I not, and reviewing this for the first time, is that tap out scene and stuff like enough to take me out of it? Because I'm finding it to be a fond remembrance of a, of a movie that I really liked as a younger, younger guy. And, and, and of course, as a function of it being made in 1985 instead of 2022. So, I, I mean, to me, that stuff is disturbing, but it's a movie that's designed from start to finish to be disturbing. And I don't think it's trying to make any great social commentary. I think it's, well, try, it's trying to take you on a crazy roller coaster ride. And the comic relief, I feel like if you made this movie now, there would be some asshole making dad jokes every five minutes and totally kind of ruining it for me or tampering down the horror. But here the comedy is the horror. It's one thing, mm. you know, it's, it's like, uh, it's like grandpa in Texas chainsaw massacre. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's dark and it's funny, but it's one thing that's dark and funny. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not really like, okay, now we can need a break to give the audience some levity. No, I don't want any levity. I want movies that make me lean forward the entire runtime. Yeah. And this kind of does it while also making you laugh. But the still, you're like laughing while you're leaning forward, going, "Oh fuck, they're gonna do this, aren't they?" <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a great phrase. I, I think I was, I, I think watching it then and now, I was like, "They're gonna do this, aren't they?" Yeah. Uh, you, I hear where you're coming from, Joe. I I think this one, had I been seeing this the first time, I would still really enjoy it. It's again partly the charm of you know they didn't have a huge budget to work with. You know that they're they're doing all that they can. I, I kind of love the even though this isn't I guess I, I'm not a Lovecraft uh, person, but I appreciate Lovecraft and I like the the little nods to the kind of lore of the Lovecraftian universe. Um, can I can I ask? Are you yeah. um, do you do you just not like his stories, or is it kind of um, what what <laughs> our current uh, take on him and kind of understanding how much he's a racist 
Oh, and uh, that type of thing. That, Are you taking that? No, into account, that's or is it just I'm not. It's on our own. you don't really draw, have a draw to. It's really just I haven't I haven't dove deeply into what what he's done. <laughs> like I and I know that he gets much deeper into you know like the Cthulhu uh, Cthulhu myth and all that stuff um, in his stories and. I, I just don't know. Like, there's a cosmic element, right? He called his horror cosmic horror. And I don't think you need th – this This doesn't go there. I mean, there there is – obviously, there's something going on that's strange and unexplained and, and probably taps into things that we don't understand that, uh, you know, he's kind of hinting at. But I don't think it goes as deeply as others. That That's where I was going. I, I, I had heard some things about him having some issues with uh, – with maybe his own personal uh, worldview and ideology, but but I haven't gone deeply enough to to even get there where I would have that kind of uh, misgiving for for him. Yeah, a, a lot of his stories tend to have like uh, you know xenophobic threads. You know, I mean, he's afraid of the unknown, which uh -huh. you know, as a white guy in the 1920s, fear of the unknown applies to foreigners. As yeah. he, you know what I mean. So it's a lot of like. You know, I don't want to go into name names and kind of uh, have a bunch of examples, but yeah, he 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 tends to tends to reach for that and lean on that as a trope uh, in in his uh, work, and that's not something I can really back. Yeah. But coming, you know, coming from somebody now who understands that, I can kind of pull the parts of the stories I enjoy and enjoy those kind of separately. Absolutely, and I and I don't think that stuff comes into this story in a significant way no not really i mean you could i mean i would say it can still apply to cosmic horror because of the way that herbert west is he he thinks that he's doing science right but should we be doing this kind of science isn't this <laughs> beyond people isn't yeah. this more than than what humans should be able to do right and that kind of is where all the cosmic horror stems from and, and Cthulhu existing like as a being, it's kind of like humans are this insignificant kind of ants on a speck of rock in space. And what do we really meet matter in the, the grand scheme of everything? And he's kind of reaching out for importance, you know? Yeah. Yep. 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 No, I see that. Absolutely. And and so some of that theme comes in, but then the troubling stuff with the outsiders and the and, and being yeah, the, xenophobic. The, the racism that, here isn't really right. at play as much, but he's yeah. kind of tapped them. At least uh, Stuart Gordon, the director, maybe chose to excise those things or, or the writer, you know, uh, yeah. didn't include those parts of the story. I actually haven't read the original works that this movie's based off of, yeah. which I want to now, you know, especially after talking about it with you guys. Yeah, I, no, uh, I'm I'm curious too. Try as well. to do a deeper dive, or maybe even try and find a book on tape or something like that for it, and listen yeah. to work. I do want to say that the African American guard of the corpse who's reading the boudoir magazine is, is funny. <laughs> that's funny. It's that's fucking funny. great. I, my favorite part though is that he was just you know reading porn at his desk, and then goes, "Now it's break time," and leaves. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's hard work. I mean, come on, you're already on break, man. <laughs> And then he uh, and then he peeks into the corpse. I'm sorry, he peeks into the the morgue as a, uh, a a big piece of meat from some human that got cut up hits the wall behind him. It, you know that we didn't mention a lot of. There was a, a couple other people that they're reanimating to uh, at the beginning of their trials, so to speak, in the corpse to interesting, funny, gory ends. 
I, this movie took me right back to that sleepover, and I enjoyed the hell out of watching yeah, it. Some, and I was so happy. Kyle, some fun horror action it. comedy sequences sure, in it's there. A perfect picture of the video uh, video shelves in 1985. It really is. Yeah. And, and it really launched Gordon's career, right? This was his first uh, film as a director. Yeah. I know he had been doing theater stuff for a long time uh, before that, which it, which is interesting. If you ever get into it, he was working with David Mamet and Joe Mantegna and all these like great performers in the Chicago theater scene. But you know, this this really launched him as a director, and he even did a, a bunch more uh, um, uh, Lovecraft adaptations, right? He did From Beyond shortly after this. Dagon. Dagon, many years Dagon later, even. Yeah. Stuart, Stuart Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, which I would say From Beyond actually also starring Barbara Crampton and Jeffrey Combs. Right. I right. highly recommend From Beyond. Yeah. Um, I saw that all three of them also worked together on Castle Freak. Yep. Which I have not seen, but that's on my list for sure. We're going to get to it. Yeah, ab- absolutely. No, I th- Stuart Gordon, you know, is, is one of those guys who I, I think. You know, even apart from Reanimator, which if he only made Reanimator, kudos. Like, you, sure. w- w- what an achievement. But I mean, he was co creator of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Right. He directed <laughs> that. You know, he, he was uh, involved in uh, Space Truckers, which, if you've never seen, is a fantastic goofy strange film with dennis hopper steven dorf mm-hmm. i mean that, that that's one that i remember fondly from those video store days uh when, when i was picking up the strangest stuff i could find and actually his final film that he made stuck i it's been a long time since that came out in 2007 it's been a long time since i've seen it but i loved it at the time i thought i thought that was pretty great so he, he's somebody who of those kind of i think unsung independent horror slash uh you know exploitation directors that are out there uh-huh. he he ranks highly for me oh yeah that's that's a name i wish i heard more often alongside when people go oh wes craven yeah yeah wes craven but maybe Stuart gordon too huh yeah for sure well what, what we're doing what we can here this week to maybe put his name in more people's uh ears great Great but, pick, great pick. Yes, yes. Great way to start off this episode. Um, and, and I got to say, I'm just going to go ahead and spoil my, my own review here for, for the Pumpkin Ale. Great pick as well. I mean, I haven't had this, like I said, in probably at least five years. And I'm not a brown ale guy. I'm not either. But this this works perfectly. I mean, the pumpkin spice with the brown ale it's a very it's it's autumnal. I mean, it is the the epitome of sure. autumn. I wish I was sitting outside by a fire, um, with with a glass of this or a bottle of this, and may, maybe like a, a an outdoor. Um, I, I've seen you post pictures of uh, an outdoor uh, film screening uh, in, in like a backyard. A fire pit with a projector. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I feel like Absolutely. this would be the perfect beer to be drinking on a slightly cool autumn night. While watching something like Reanimator, Kyle. Oh, yeah. oh, I mean, the spoiler alert that I drank the previous five in this pack before I drank this beer <laughs> with you now. Well, you got, we no, got a I, test. We I got a test. Love, I do love this beer. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate is, your quality this is a control. Good one. I will likely uh, be going back actually for more before these rotate out of season. Yeah, um, yeah, especially. Uh, when you see that the bottle says brewed with ale and spice or with uh, pumpkin and spices instead of natural flavorings added, 
yeah. that's always it seems to me like the the note that you're gonna enjoy it you know yeah like on a hot sauce you don't want water as your first ingredient it has to be just blended peppers you know when you see pumpkin and spices right on the bottle you know you're in for a treat Right on. Yeah, I, again, I'm not a brown ale fan. I think if I had to choose, and it's not a fair choice because how do you how do you compare the pumpkinator we had last week, the imperial stout with pumpkin added to a brown ale? You know, that's going to be a style choice. So, uh, though I'm going to agree with the two of you, if I was given this at the proper party, a chill in the air, maybe a fire pit running, uh, I'm at Kyle's backyard. He's about to throw on some kind of thing that's going to make me eventually throw up. I, I'd lo- <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind throwing this up at all. Hey, when Terrifier Two is on Blu-ray, I'll have you two over. All right, we're, we're headed to California. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll do the Terrifier Three premiere over there. <laughs> that's awesome. We um, can only hope they're making a third, but yeah. Oh, um, this is making hey, too much money. If, yeah, yeah, I was gonna say if they, if they're doing this kind of business, uh, I I can't imagine that. I, actually, I listened to Howard Stern, and one of his characters is Richard Christie, who's a resident horror fan. And they surprised him by having the 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 actor that plays Art, oh wow, on the show, and he dropped then that yeah the a third one is in the works because of the attention that the yeah. part two is getting, and uh, I think you're right, Kyle. Expected to see it kind of continuing to expand until that money you know moves to the wrong side it of the often ledger is which which can sometimes bring things into a a bad place, but uh, let's let's hope they they keep it. No, I mean, or maybe they're given the budget to make the terrifier they always well, wanted to. That's possible too. Um, well, well, the fun's just getting started. Here. Yeah, we, we've had a great first half, and I, I mean, we're, we've gotten sort of properly, uh, you know, uh, prepared for what I think is going to be a stellar second half. Um, if we can just get everything to align perfectly here, which we probably can after the break. done i haven't done that Ugh. oh yeah i haven't done it in so long i, I you know it did used to be a, a little uh, game between us but carlos really locked it down after a while um well we are back folks uh and we're ready for an exciting second half i'm actually uh, although as i say that i'm feeling a little bit sad because it's it. the end of all horror October. I, I, I it. It's like really kind of my favorite month of the year. It's a lot of fun. When we get the excuse to take in all these wonderful, like old horror films, new horror films. And David, we've, we've missed nothing that I really cared that we missed at the theater well, for new releases. I, this I, has I, been a good October to, to take up time with older films, you know, provided... Except rather for our our new release episode last week. I don't fully agree with that, but I'm glad you feel that way. Uh, you, you couldn't have what you really were pissed <laughs> off that we didn't do Amsterdam. What no, are you saying? I, I would. I still want to see Smile. I have not gotten around to seeing Smile. Terrifier two. We talked about in the first half. Like th- there are a couple films that have been out this month yeah. that I, no, I feel November's like I looking seen. nice. Well, November's got lots to offer for yeah, sure. We've yeah. already posted a little bit of our schedule for November on our Patreon. And you should jump on that, patreon.com slash beer in the movie podcast. I know that Kyle's there. Kyle's on our Discord. Um, Kyle, we, 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 I mentioned your name in After Hours last week. 
I hope you didn't take offense or I didn't speak out of turn. No, no, not at all. About the elevated horror? Yeah, so um, I, I don't hate the... So it was mentioned that I, I possibly hate movies that fall over under the elevated horror umbrella. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, you can like or dislike any movie as an individual movie. Um, I, I don't like the word elevated to describe movies Um or not movies, but I guess horror specifically, because I mean, even thinking, uh, I think, I think maybe it was David that said like, oh, you know, you can have your, your hereditaries and Midsommar, but then you also want to watch something like Reanimator. But that's not to say that Reanimator is not, that doesn't have anything to say or that it's uh, not elevated, you know, like I, I already mentioned in the, when we were talking about it in our conversation, that it, it kind of does have something to say about like, the hubris of man and yeah. where we meant to play with these things. And it's very much a Jurassic park. Oh, we figured out that we could, but should we have done all this, you know? And there's, there's a, usually a message in every movie. It just depends how hard you want to search for it. Yeah. And just cause some people have a heavier hand, uh, like writing the message of your movie on a hammer and beating you to death with it, like <laughs> uh, that's that's kind of where I I uh, start to have issues. You I, know? I hear you calling something calling something elevated just because it has people dealing with PTSD or trauma from a past event. Well, a lot of horror movie like you wouldn't call Halloween '78 an elevated horror, even though it right honestly is. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah like. Yeah. Or, or at least shares uh, tropes with with movies that can be referred to as such. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a elevated is a rough word to throw around because yeah. it tends to sound kind of gatekeepy and putting down other movies, which you might not mean to do. No, but that's, I... that's the only reason I don't like it. You know, if you want to call something maybe a horror drama, that might get that. You know, people have no problem with saying horror comedy. You're right. But horror drama kind of would set you up for something like hereditary more than elevated horror, which sounds like you're shitting on everything else in the genre. That's I, a good which, point. Look, as for, a horror for somebody, fan, I can't respect. For somebody as with as voracious an appetite for horror as you, this, this guy's I can watch like 40 plus movies, horror movies in October. I know. I want to hear the entire <laughs> list in after hours. Yeah, we're we're, we're gonna get we're gonna get deep uh, after hours with that. Yeah, we'll, we'll pull make, the letterbox. Don't nice. leave this shit off for you guys. We'll make you feel better, David, about this being our last week. Okay. But we've got another beer to put in the glass. We've talked too long. Oh my gourd says the can it's our favorite time of year pumpkin head season shipyard pumpkin head is a ale <clears throat> let me start over shipyard pumpkin head ale is a clean crisp american wheat ale a third now style that's going to play with that's pumpkin. right we've had brown we've had imperial stout now we're having wheat flavored with a unique blend of pumpkin spices it only comes alive once a year so enjoy it while you can try it in a pint glass rimmed with sugar and cinnamon is aaron available to get us some sugar and cinnamon on our glasses mm, oh, damn I it probably should have that you know actually well uh our guest last week josh uh de Leon, had talked about oh, dressed getting it dressed yeah with, was it caramel that they put on the rim of his glass yeah but as long as you leave the candy corn off because that candy's trash <laughs> and then it's 4.5 ABV. They calling it two out of five on the bitterness scale and four out of five on the sweetness scale. Oof. This is Shipyard out of Portland, Maine. Your stomping grounds, David. I know. I'm excited that this uh, brings us back to Maine again for a beer. Uh, I, I'm definitely now. Kyle, I, you have one there in uh, the beautiful sunny state of California. You have it ready to go. 
Oh yeah. yeah. I've already uh, poured mine and you can kind of smell the sweetness actually. You said sweetness four out of five. Yeah. yeah. Well, according to their own marketing, but you're absolutely right. Um, it smells like it. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting. We didn't make as much of a deal out of it on the first half as we probably should have, but the dogfish head was our 500th beer yeah. on, on the program. Um, it was, which is which is a, a monumental I occasion. <laughs> no, that's okay. I okay. talked about. It. I completely forgot. <laughs> you know, but but partly because we did a switch because Joe wanted to do this one first, and in some ways I should have gone along with that because I would love our 500th beer to have been a Maine beer because I have you know obviously my my roots in Maine and my right. still family up there. And the next I, time you went up there, they would applaud you at the Chamber of Commerce. Absolutely, right. I'd walk into the tap room and they would just be standing. Five hundred. <laughs> Your toes pouring your beers. That's right, um, but but I felt like the pumpkin was the one to go with in the first half because I like the connection here with pumpkin head, the name of this ale, and the film that uh, Kyle has picked for our second half of the episode. A film I've got to say, Trick or Treat is the movie. Yes, two thousand seven's Trick or Treat. I had seen it, you know, in articles and stuff, but horror. There's so much horror that does not hit the the big theaters that since this did not, I had a little bit of prejudice against. Like it, it didn't it didn't make the cut. It didn't make the grade. It couldn't have gotten the release. But the story behind it is pretty fascinating. Yeah, I didn't even know because I this is a title that I had heard mm-hmm. over the years. Mm-hmm. And I knew it existed, and I probably even at some point was, you know, in in my days of being a cable subscriber, saw it show up on AMC or something during October and and thought about watching it, but just never took the dive on. Um, But I had assumed that it had, like, a regular theatrical release. But lo and behold, you know, reading up a little bit um, as I was getting ready to watch this, this was one that was kind of stuck in distribution hell for a while where – it was supposed to be coming out in a wide theatrical release. It was showing at a few of the kind of more specific horror festivals um, that go on or around the country, but it never actually got that uh, real distribution until this year. It's actually it's 2022 is the first year right. it got some wide distribution. And w- when I searched it on Google just to see what platform can I watch this on, which, by the way, I, I think I, I rented it through... Uh, what one of the platforms i don't know was it youtube i primed yeah. it um so, amazon yeah yeah so so i did that but it was playing at our local multiplex amc theater here in town which is the one that i won't go to <laughs> i don't blame you <laughs> but but nonetheless it was playing there and it's actually playing it has one screening at the alamo this week okay. uh, that that uh, that I, but anyway so it's finally getting some theatrical love 15 years later 15 years later it's crazy yeah kyle this was your second of the double feature why why did you go with trick or treat if the answer is it's a Halloween movie, uh, who's going to argue with you? This is the preeminent one. Not uh, Halloween. Okay, uh, uh, <laughs> right, right. Uh, other than other than the preeminent, the one. best horror movie ever made. <laughs> this one kind of dives deeper into the lore and makes Halloween a character. Yeah, Halloween is a character. I I feel like it. Really, there's lots of missed opportunities in movies set on or near Halloween to actually have trick-or-treaters, trick-or-treating, Yeah, you know, some kind of spirit of the holiday, you know, and Christmas, you can't get away from that. You know, everybody's constantly singing the same four Christmas songs, you know, at you aggressively throughout the runtime, you know, and uh, 
Halloween doesn't really seem to get that that same love, you know. I mean, of course we have Halloween, but that notoriously has like spray painted leaves, you know what I mean, thrown barely into frame, you know, because it's filmed out in California where everything's evergreen. Uh, I, it's actually like an hour from from where I live. I could I could go visit the Myers house. Wow. Um, but yeah, that, this this one. I, I love it not only because it is Halloween and kind of exemplifies Halloween and has that like watch on Halloween energy as the sun starts to set and people you can start to hear people kind of bustling around outside. I'm not here anymore since I'm in an apartment and it's you know trick or treating doesn't really exist anymore. <laughs> but you know with my with my dad, I remember since I was a kid setting up the the front door, you know, with the spider webs and putting tombstones out front and just having a great time with being festive, you know, and seeing a movie where an entire town has a Halloween spirit really hits the spot. Besides that, this is an anthology um, where Halloween anthologies can be very hit or miss or have a lot of like weak segments. This one not only has a lot of strong segments, but also they weave through each other in a way where you'd have a hard time picking out, Oh, I like this section more than another. It's kind of just one movie yeah. that plays out as four stories, but it's one movie you're watching. And I, I do love that about it. Agreed. I, I mean, I think, you know, just to set it up a little bit more for those who, who maybe haven't seen it in full, although I, I fully, fully recommend if you're listening right now and you haven't watched this film, do not hesitate. Go go do the rental. Go to the theater if it's playing locally, whatever. Um, th- this is one that you're going to want to check out, especially if you're listening to this um, soon soon after the episode comes out because it's a, it is a perfect uh, lead-up to Halloween kind of movie. But this is basically uh, taking a Halloween night in the fictional town of uh, Warren Valley, Ohio, and you have an assortment of characters, various people uh, living in the town. You have a school principal who lives in one home uh, next door to uh, an older man who we sort of understand his backstory later as the film goes on. But, uh, you know, as as we know, he's just a crotchety older man. Um, We have a few different groups of children who who are out trick-or-treating. We have a young couple, childless young couple, who are coming home from a night on the town after Halloween. And in all of them kind of experiencing their own version of whatever the uh you know the sort of horrors of that halloween night are but as as kyle has said in ways that really do kind of weave together in these really fun and uh sometimes unexpected but but other times like what when they come together like perfectly executed ways mm-hmm. uh you know where where we start the night is also kind of where we end the night too and it, it's one of those films that has that kind of bookended um form to it you know what i mean where we start with a story that we kind of see repeated towards the end of it and i always love that so i don't know it 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 is an anthology film you're right it's our first one we've ever done our first anthology i think so you i think you might be right in the history of say a creep show or tales Mm. from the crypt or and that's all those are both horrors uh new york stories is one that leaps to mind as a non-horror dramatic uh, four rooms. We this is our first anthology, and uh, David, you let the cat out of the bag, so I think I will too. What a doozy! This movie was fun, and I feel bad for any prejudice that I ever gave to it. And I think I've learned my lesson finally. Uh, stop being prejudiced. 
Well, that's interesting because the, the, the prejudice on streaming movies or movies that don't get theatrical release, I feel like is starting to go away, but now it's going away mm -hmm. because you have shit like Prey coming out, the new Predator movie, which absolutely whooped ass. It was so good. Great film. And, and you know, came straight to Hulu. And when I saw that, I was going, oh, man, they're bummed. They don't think that it's going to make a killing at the box office. Like, why wouldn't it? Like, it's a Predator movie. Well, I've been burned by the last couple Predator movies. You know, we'll see, I guess. And then lo and behold, I was I was like, yes, everybody needs to watch this as soon as they can. And, and, and now and, in a and, and and kind of post-COVID where all this is going on, yeah. stuff is coming out straight to streaming and it, it's not necessarily a signifier of its worth. Oh, COVID was a big fast forwarder for the streaming revolution. It was already here, but now we can't go to the movies. I still want to see some of this stuff. So, and I, I, I was going to interrupt you, but I'm glad that I didn't, but I would say Prey was one of those movies when I watched it on the small screen that I was like, damn it. I wish I had a bigger screen for this. Yeah. 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 And that's not to say I wouldn't have liked the opportunity to see it on a big screen, but, but, you know, it's uh, me now when I see, oh, such and such is coming straight to whatever streaming service instead of going, well, damn, like that means that the studio doesn't have that much faith in it. You know, maybe it's not that good. You know, we have heavy hitters like Hellraiser, you know, the new Hellraiser yeah. opinions on that aside. How, you know, I haven't you seen get, it. Will you, will you tell us your opinion in After yeah. Hours? Haven't seen it yet. After Hours? Sure. Yeah. Okay. yeah that's, yeah. Uh, but, but. You know, like it or not, it's a heavy hitter franchise. Sure, yeah. And you're getting it straight to Hulu with kind of little to no fanfare, which uh, a lot of people are liking it. So yeah, you know, it's it's not necessarily means that it's good or bad. You know, where where you see it, it's oh. just a matter of well, get your eyes get your eyes to see it, however you can. And I think you know, with with certain genres like horror. Um, you know, Joe was alluding to like Reanimator, which we talked about in the first half, um, is was was a fine and it, and it played in the box office. It made some money there, but where it was a real hit was on home video. Sure. You know what I mean? And and I feel like horror as a genre uh, is has been one of those places where I mean, it, you, you name it, like the alternative distribution circuit. Uh, that that existed in a given moment, you know, the drive-in movie theater, VHS, now streaming. Like it is a genre that can absolutely find you can find great gems in all those alternative platforms. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? People who have crazy ideas, fun approaches, yeah. different things that they're not constrained by a studio saying we need to make X amount of profit off of this film. We need to do this test audience. We need to have, you know, the, these edits made before it can go up. Like you have filmmaking in a very, um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm almost getting philosophical here in this like very pure form where somebody like a Stuart Gordon can come along and make something that's as intense or Sam Raimi, you know, we re reference evil dead. Um, and in this case, you know, I think to a certain extent, Doherty, um, coming in and making this film that probably on paper sounded like you can't really pull off something that's this, like both an anthology film, but like an anthology that ties its stories together so well that you feel fully satisfied by how they all come together like sure. that. Um, and yet he did. 
and it and it found this cult following yeah. by on the home video market. Yeah, I, so word of mouth. Yeah, I knew it was an anthology before I started watching, but I didn't know much more about it. I, I saw the little figure, Sam. The he's got like a burlap sack over his head with a smile cut out, and he's kind of a. I don't know if it's a child or a little person or just a little demon, but he, uh, the story number one, the married couple comes home after a Halloween party. He doesn't want to help take the Halloween decorations down that moment. I wouldn't either, but I wouldn't be the fucking jackass that goes to bed and leaves my wife out to do it by herself. Okay. And I was, I was going to say, he did, well, <laughs> he put it on, it seemed like, in preparation for her coming back well, she in. she said, to, to go put she, the tape she on. She said, go put on the tape. And and like, he, pull, he pulls out the VHS, uh, yeah, 2007, that's right, the VHS that's right. tape that says nature special on it. That's, yeah. no one's going to know. Yeah. But then. They do, um, they do on the Discovery Channel. <laughs> <laughs> that's why the nature doc. Hey, we're nothing but mammals. Let's do it like they do. So oh, I didn't realize that blowing out a jack-o'-lantern before the candle could go out by itself or before midnight was such a big deal. But well, I was going to ask you guys, of the, the, uh, the Halloween lore, because a big, a big um, you know, sort of through line here uh -huh. is that a lot of what seems to put people Instigate. in peril in this yeah. film is that they somehow... Um, they reject the Halloween tradition, right? Or they, they say, so the first one there, the couple coming home, the, the female and the couple, the woman in the couple, I can't say female anymore. Carlos told me that. I, um, the, I, the woman in the couple, difficult. she wants to put out the jack-o'-lantern sure. candle before midnight. Right. And he does. Says, no, that's, that's, he says, you shouldn't. No, that's. Well, she did. She does anyway. And he goes off to watch his porno and she, uh, is killed. Yeah. Right in their front but yard. Not, but not before we see a girl with a wagon going across the street, almost getting hit by a car full of, like, giggling uh, teen, older teenage girls. And I noticed those things, but I dismissed them as just set dressing mm -hmm. of the film. And then it goes, so you were going to say, Kyle, I was, I was about to move us into the second anthology. We're watching anthology. There's one story. Now we're going to start the second story. But it wasn't until into the third story that I realized just what we were watching, not just a serial, one, two, three, four, five, but rather a very intricate, and I imagine it only gets more intricate the more that you watch this movie, blending of the stories together, and then ultimately like a, a Pulp Fiction, I hate to steal someone's note, but it's very, very well written. Come uh, on, oh, man. I know. Don't share your notes ahead of time, Kyle. <laughs> Oh my God! Well, Joe, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it. I'll throw it to you for that part because you had written that down, and I'm, I'm making a little joke. Oh no! The the quick thing I wanted to add before we go into any further segments is, you know, you said that she didn't follow the rules and gets got. You know, that's yeah. uh, normally how slasher movies work. You know, we operate on a, a you know, if you've seen Scream, you've had Randy yell. You don't know the rules, and you know, yeah. You, you don't want to be the couple that has sex because then you're getting knifed or pitchforked or what you know what have you yeah. you don't want to light up a giant joint because then you know you're next on the chopping block but this woman just blew out a pumpkin <laughs> and here that's a good as death sentence as any other that's right that's you know? right i'm never gonna blow out a pumpkin again just for the record. <laughs> oh yeah just just let them burn i didn't realize yeah the trick is to just buy really small candles 
that don't last that long. There you go. If well, they burn uh, out on their then own, it can blow out. It can blow out on its own quickly that way. Or, don't worry about it. Or put it out in South Texas, the windiest area in the world. Those yeah, candles don't last go. too long. I use yeah. a light bulb. Yeah, you don't put a windshield in front of it so you can't see the jack o' lantern cut out. Absolutely yeah. not. <laughs> Uh, so then, so, so the second story, and I, I don't want to like go deep, deep, deep. Well, in the and, plot, and, and even calling that first one, I mean, the first one, that's almost like a prologue, sure. or like a little pre. It's, it's it's not like a, a story unto itself. It, it, you know, it, it's sort of the the instigating, like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, here we are, we're in horror territory. People are getting killed in in graphic way, you know, dramatic ways, right? That she's left there with the the jagged lollipop stuck in her mouth there. Right. Um, and, uh, and but we know nothing about the killer. We know nothing about what's really happening. No, right. There's a little POV shot. Call back to mentioning Halloween earlier. Yeah. You know, like you get the POV shot of someone, yeah. something, kind of crossing the street to stalk her, and then she gets caught. And right. that's all you know. That's it for now. Absolutely. The second one was the most disturbing for me, or, or the first one maybe of the. Well, uh, once you bring Dylan Baker in. Dylan Baker. The, 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 you know, I mean, for, for anybody, and we haven't done happiness on the show. I don't uh-huh. know if we ever will, but but I mean, if you if you if that you guy's ha- not scared. If of you haven't material. seen happiness, it you know that once you have Dylan Baker, will will never be the same for you. Right. I, I mean, he and he play and he tends to play creepy, unsettling characters like on television. Yeah, he's not film. he's not I afraid mean, of material. Yeah. He he definitely goes and but he, some he's dark the places. principal who catches one of his students, uh, a young portly fellow, uh, smashing pumpkins and steal. You know how you put the bowl out and you say honor, honor system, and you know that the moment that you shut the door, the first kid's going to come by and your yeah. candy's gone. Well, the the young portly boy that does that. Uh, he's caught by the principal of the school, and they sit down and have a talk. And then this boy begins to violently violently retch out blood and chocolate, and Dylan says. You should know the rule. Always check your candy. And that's when I'm like, I understand what this movie's doing. It's <laughs> taking all of those tropes uh, that are horror-related with Halloween. I remember the scare. I remember the year, the shift of someone's putting needles, someone's putting razor blades in um, apples or yeah. whatever it was. And that probably happened one or two times, but the media made us all believe that it was happening all over the country to where get your candy x-rayed for free at the hospital. You know, um, and my, my, and my parents, I remember my, my parents switched off my ability to eat my Halloween candy. When that scare went through, it became pop culture, became lore. Well, this boy, uh, meets an unseemly demise. That's just the beginning of the horror for this segment. Oh yeah, because I mean, it's 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 hard to say because of the way that this cuts back and forth. But if we want to just follow this kid's fate through, um, we have then the principal trying to drag this kid into his house, <laughs> um, squeezing him a little too tight and uh, emptying more stomach contents down his shirt. So there's like you know a giant mess being made. He's now kind of covered in blood and chocolate throw up yeah um we get him out to the backyard we're digging a hole for the body to, to go in you know and uh and we have the uh crotchety old man neighbor um yelling over there what's all that racket it's you know, and, and uh, yeah yeah brian yeah, brian it, cox yeah the, no, the, the it, amazing brian cox right makes who, his who, first appearance who comes back much later yeah and yeah. And and the and the boy's still not dead. No. And him having to to whack him to death. Right, um, and that's at, I think where the horror yeah. is. The comedy, Kyle, very well put earlier in the show. 
it's not done for comedic effect, but it, it is it is right. There is kind a, of there's funny. a there is a dark humor yeah. there, but it is also a very troubling and very horrific kind of. We learn yeah. the principal has a son who's yelling out the window. Can we carve the jack lantern? Can we carve the jack lantern? This boy is annoying as hell. Finally, the the, the father goes in to carve the jack lantern. Takes the boy downstairs. He's at, he's at his wit's end, and you know that he's about to kill his son. And they've set up this beautiful shot of him down in the basement. There's a jack-o'-lantern we haven't seen yet in front of them. And he brings that knife down. He brings it back up slowly. There's blood on the knife. He's just killed his son. Nope, the son's alive. It's the head of the little boy that had, you know, broken the rule and not right. checked his candy. That's their jack. That was a good, such a good oh, reveal. It was not even so a twist, well done. And it was show you. so yeah. fucked. Oh, yeah. the principal of the school, you know? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so that's the second story leading us into the third, which is the one where we get the most of... Um, uh, God, why is her name going away? Uh, come Anna on. Anna Paquin. Anna Paquin. Yes. Well, I like her very much. We had seen her and her like three friends, one of them her sister, trying on uh, sexy Halloween outfits, which I think is another trope that the film's pointing out on purpose, clearly, is women... Uh, and men, I suppose, that tr I'm a nurse, but I'm the sexiest nurse you've ever seen. I'm a cat, but look how, you know, look yeah. at my cleavage. And they're certainly doing that at the Halloween store, talking about how um, Anna Paquin might lose her virginity that night. You know, it's, it's going to be your first time. Yeah. Her you, first time. It, yeah. needs, it needs to be something. She says, I want it to be special. And it's setting us up for sexy girls on Halloween going out for a sexy good time. But. Yeah, right. But exactly, but. <laughs> right. Well, and and there's even, I mean, th what's interesting is how this film, you know, it, it it's, it's layered. It's layered and it intersperses that, right? Because we get a little bit with the, with that girl, the group of young women. I mean, I guess they're like 20 something. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, th that we're getting there. And then we, we get the principal story and then we come back to them a little bit, but then we go to the school bus story. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got them out of order and didn't I? Right. Which is the younger children who right. are out trick or treating, um, who, you know, start talking about who trick or treat at the principal's house. Right. Right. Like that weaving together. Right. Who start talking about the lore of this story about this bus that had, um, you know, of, uh, um, what d disabled children, mm -hmm. uh, who the bus driver had made a deal with their parents weird. to, kill the children to take them off their you know their plates as burdens which is how dark can you get um and yeah. <laughs> and and you know the, but that going awry and uh we, you know the, the bus driver surviving ultimately but it, you know and 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 then the children getting caught up with the ghosts of those so you, you have this kind of ghost story going on there um which is totally appropriate uh given the season there and um, b before you get back to the young women who that brings principal character back mm -hmm. in where he shows up as kind of the perpetrator, the aggressor who's going out and, you know, he he's not just satisfied killing young children coming to his house. He's going to go out and seek other victims. Um, Anna Paquin seeming to be one of them. Yeah. But then realizing that Anna Paquin and her crew aren't really as vulnerable and innocent or, 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 or just women out for a sexy night on the town as, as you might've thought when they're talking about her first time, it wasn't about her being a sexual virgin. It's about her being a werewolf virgin. I was thinking oh, a wolf. Yeah, she's looking for a meal, not a date. Yeah. 
Yeah. She's looking for meat, but uh, so it's a, a wolf woman. I've never used that term before. Yeah, right. Uh, wolf, yeah. wolf person. Right. Uh, I loved how they shed. It wasn't a transformation a la American Werewolf in London. They literally shed their human skin. Yes. That's, that is a cool and, sequence. And if it's the first time, that means that you have a second time and you're a human again. How do you get your human skin back? Was my question. It's a good question. Yeah. You gotta just set it in a safe place and go back for it. Well, later. they did seem to like. I feel like they Put flung the some of the on. skin on like a tree branch or something. I feel like there was a l shot, like there. a towel when you go skinny dipping. Yeah, there you sure. go. Yeah, you, you have that wonderful story, <laughs> and then that sort of brings you back to the crotchety old man sure. character in his home. Yeah. Um, you got to participate in Halloween, and this guy just was like anti-Halloween, and the lesson needed to be learned. Right. They were like pranking him. They were gathering pumpkins to leave on his door because he's an asshole who doesn't like Halloween, just to kind of to kind of get him, you know. Okay. Yeah, and Sam, I think, uh, our, our so little... he's being terrorized by Halloween right. paraphernalia. Yeah. Right, right, right. By by fun, he doesn't like fun. Right, that's the biggest crime of all. <laughs> well, and and come to find out, you know that that his history there is that sure. he was the bus driver in that earlier story. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He was the one that contracted with a bunch of parents to kill all of their children. This is the most evil town in America. It, it, it's pretty bad. And yeah. I, if they haven't, I mean, I think that the cult success and now this theatrical thing, I imagine a trick or treat too has to be in the works. But how would you do it? I mean, like, I, I, I agree with, I, I think you're, you're probably right, especially given that it's now getting this kind of actual theatrical release this year it seems like the cult following of it has been recognized enough that they're seeing that okay this film you know has, has more of a life to it than we realize but how do you i mean you, you know it, can you put together another set of stories like this that you could weave together this well I mean, it's possible, but it's really hard to execute in a way where all of them work on their own and all of them work together. Yeah. Because that's what this one does, which makes me still love it. You know, there's a couple things that don't age super well. I mean, you know, it's from 2007 when we have a, uh, a whole bus full of, as you said, disabled children dro driven off a cliff. Yeah. You know, just because they're... Uh, annoying to deal with at home that's not like obviously something that we can back you know what i mean so um i would hope that a new take still has the kind of twists and reveals and obviously uh sam you know the, the sam character will need to return to kind of weave these things together for us and be the the voyeur of all of all these people's evenings going going to hell um but hopefully just kind of leave behind that dated uh, treatment of autistic characters. Because, well, yeah, the, the girl who's way into Halloween is uh, referred to as a certain R slur I would want to say on here, you know? Right, but right. It's, it's, it's one of those watching it back and you're like, oh, yeah, they did kind of lean into that pretty hard. Damn. Yeah. You know, and, and it, they didn't need to, but they did. You know, it's very 2007. I also yeah. liked how... Well, but, they, you know, th that said... It is, the, you know, the, the, the final, the coup de grace here is that, you know, the old man Krieg uh -huh. at the end, you know, who, who you think has maybe been let off by Sam, right? Like, because Sam kind of leaves him 
still living, right. like maimed, but living. Right. Like uh, you, you, I've taught you the lesson. Right. And, and, he, and he and he and he he steps to and begins handing out candy and like I'll get involved. That's going to keep yeah, me alive. Yeah, yeah. But but then you know right right at the end of the film we see. The, the ghosts of those children sure. who he killed show right. up at his doorstep. He's you know. burning a box of photos, including him right. as the bus driver. Right. That's when we get the reveal. Destroy the evidence. Right. How it all comes together. The idea that they showed up 30 years later of Sam is some kind of supernatural figure is a little uh, convenient for the course of this one Halloween. But okay. Um, but Sam doesn't come around every Halloween, I guess. I don't know. Sam kills... The, the the wife who was cleaning up at the very beginning, but you don't see Sam. Then you do see Sam uh, as a trick-or-treater at the principal's house. Right. As uh, uh, he, he... No, the bus that was... The bus drove by Sam 30 years ago. Right. Uh, then you see... But then Sam gets to do his work in that last... Uh, sh- the last anthology there. With, with, with Creed. Creed, yeah. And you see... Which you've actually already seen a bit of through the window. That's right. Sure. You know, the principal, he gets called out for help. You yeah. know, Willis or Wil- Wilkins. Yeah. You know, Wilkins, help. Screw and you. It's too late. Yeah. Uh, he's not having any of it because he's already been given a hard time by this guy. So fuck you. I'm going to bed. <laughs> That's right. So you see Sam get to do his work. You see his supernatural abilities. You also see him uh, uh, unmasked. Uh, where he's like a goblin under there, like a, a, a jack-o'-lantern, like a, a, pumpkin, a living goblin. pumpkin head. When he's shot of. with a yeah. shotgun, uh, his guts are pumpkin. Yeah. His hand is dismembered, but he just reattaches it in yeah. a kind of a cool scene. The hand uh, walking around, I thought, was, was hilarious. You right. know, Very I, evil dad as well. I yeah. liked this movie very much. It took, it was... <sighs> It took me back to 2007. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it took me back to like a, a fun, the, the fun of Halloween and the gore and the macabre and everything we love about Halloween in a movie form. I thought it executed it very well. Yeah, it, I agree. I mean, I, I think um, there's, there's, you know, obviously there is Halloween 1978 that we, we will, you know, always, I think most horror aficionados will hold in high regard and say, is sort of the the ultimate Halloween film, but th- this, in many ways, I think it it approaches it differently. It has this much broader kind of cast of characters. It's doing a lot more in terms of you know weaving in these little Halloween tradition things mm-hmm. and trying to kind of you know the, the actual um, you know the, the the material of Halloween is kind of. As we said at the beginning, you know, as Kyle said, like Halloween is a character. It, it in this talks film. about the ancient pagan lore of Halloween a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it, it brings Sawin. it back up. Yeah, Sawin. brings Am it back up to right current time. Yes, Sawin. I always want to say Sam Hain, but <laughs> we always joke because straight up in Halloween Two, yeah, uh, the direct sequel to Seventy Eight, uh-huh. uh, they do see you know Sawin written on a class you know classroom board, and Doctor Loomis. Sam Hain, Sam Hain, and he goes around r- the rest of the movie just screaming yeah, about Sam Hain and the right. evils and the curse. And I'm just like, why are you going to pronounce it wrong an entire movie? <laughs> <laughs> Especially with that amazing accent. Yeah, that's something you should get correct. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, but but you know, all, all of that put together, like th- this is, I think, in, in some ways, you know, again, that halloween notwithstanding this is the ultimate halloween film halloween is a (laughs) character halloween's a character in the film 
78 Carpenter Halloween happens on Halloween. It also affords a mask available for Michael Myers to adopt a mask. Um, but he killed his sister on Halloween, but it had nothing to do with it being Halloween. That just happened to be the night that he right killed his sister. Right, right. I mean, Halloween and Halloween was just the setup for it to be an anthology. Oh, we could tell a spooky story every year on Halloween and people will line up to buy it. And yeah. yes, you're right, I will. Um, you know, they ended up just running with Michael Myers because he made too much money. Yeah. yeah. Which, yeah. thank God he did, because I'll watch every single one of these movies. <laughs> yeah. But, but this is, you know, I think surprisingly... You know, Kyle bristles at elevated horror. I think this, in its own way, is an elevated horror in the sense that it is. And I know most people wouldn't call it that. Maybe that it's not trying to give us some sort of like deep uh, probing of a certain human condition or what you know, whatever it is. But it is doing this thing in terms of its storytelling that I think is is elevated. There, there's something really like I, I I'm not being glib when I say like. I would be scared about I I'm sure there probably will be a sequel here because oh, yeah. it, because it has that cult following and because it is getting this kind of rebirth here it, getting released to theaters this year but I really question whether or not they'd be able to pull off something as well well put together as this this is really smart storytelling on many levels yeah. pulling all the different threads together that it does revealing things just when you need to, as Kyle said, like you're seeing moments that you're going to see replayed later in the film from a different perspective, and it all just works so well. I was smiling at like several moments in this film where I'm like, oh, that's where that happened. Okay, now I understand why that was in the right. background. Yeah, The original uh, Christine Plymouth uh, appears in that 30 years ago on the bus Scene. Oh really? Yeah, I, I, there's a lot of little. Oh, nods, I missed that. There's a lot of little nods to the horror genre, not just Halloween mm. as as a character, but uh, to the horror genre throughout the movie. Wow. Uh, we could probably post on our social media some different, like a link to like a YouTube or something about yeah. all of the things you can find in this movie. Incredible stuff. Good, good call, Kyle. Thanks for bringing this one to our attention. Oh, I'm I'm glad that you like. I mean, this and and Reanimator. Yeah. Um, I know this is a, a newer watch, but but yeah, I'm I'm glad that you guys enjoyed these movies. Yeah. Next well, time we'll have to pick something shitty so we can fight about it. Well, that's it. I, I <laughs> def, definitely will. Maybe outside of all horror, October, because just you know, there, there's so much great horror that why, why watch bad horror? But you know, we'll we'll find some new release that comes along. <laughs> but are we going to get into a fight over this uh, shipyard pump uh, from Portland, Maine's pumpkin head? So it's the wheat variation of the pumpkin beer. What'd you guys think? David first. All right. He's, hey, he's looking with the side eyes. Listen, <laughs> I, you know, th this is a beer that's near and dear to my heart. I'm not, I'm not necessarily like a pumpkin beer, like addict. I don't need it every, but I like a good one. And for me, Shipyard's Pumpkinhead, it has, it has its reputation for a reason. It is a very well executed pumpkin wheat ale it has the sweetness that a wheat ale generally has combine that with the pumpkin spices it's an easy drinker it's what four and a half percent four yeah 4.5 um 
you can drink two, three, four of these, you know, maybe uh, to get ready for that pumpkin that you're going to have or the pumpkinator or whatever it is that's going to step you up a little bit later. Um, But this is a great place to start if you're going to have one of those, you know, again, October drinking experiences where you you want to have a couple uh, of pumpkin spice ales. I think this is a great place to go. You want three or four of these and then do a couple pumpkinators? I want to party with you on this Halloween. Yeah, let's get hammered. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not blowing out a jack-o'-lantern. I'm not I, blowing out a jack-o'-lantern. Yeah, if I eat enough candy, it might help balance That's it off. That's a good right? call. You know? Good call. Kyle, what'd you think? Uh, I, so I, I do like this one quite a bit. I will say that that sweetness, even being able to smell it on the nose, yeah. um, you know, you you know that it is going to be sweet. It's a little more sweet than I normally would like. Uh-huh. Um, but you saying that it's right on style for a weed ale kind of keeps me in check because I go, no, that is that is correct. You know what I mean? It is it isn't uh, it isn't too sweet. It's just more sweet than I would like personally. Yeah. So if I'm going to grab a pumpkin beer, I will lean more towards, like you said, the pumpkinator or uh, that dogfish pumpkin. Yeah. Um, but this one is good. You know, I don't have anything bad to say about this yeah. about this beer. Yeah. I it's... will point out ale with natural flavor added. Ah, and look that, at that. That, that can that that can be my last my last critique. <laughs> Kyle, I one hundred percent agree with you. A hundred percent. Everything you just said, no need to yeah. clarify or expand upon it. Yeah, it's it, it it's interesting, but I do think you know th- this is a lighter beer, and I and I actually. I'm I'm gonna go with you guys. Where generally with the pumpkin spice, I want something that's heavier in general. Mm-hmm. So I do think like still out of the three that we've had this all horror October, I think probably the pumpkinator is my favorite. Agree. But uh, it, and then punk, pumpkin a close second. Agree. This one is a little bit more distant, but like I say, it's it's a good place to maybe start if I'm having a pumpkin beer drinking session. Sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And at four and a half, you can crush several or many of these that's right up to your heart's desire that's right and i and i'm in i'm in that territory these days not that i like drinking a lot of beers in a row but i i like having some lighter options around i i I don't want every beer that i have to be seven plus percent so um well this has been such a blast to be able to to get together with uh kyle ferguson and talk some great horror films and get introduced finally meet him to a great horror film albeit online yeah um so we we think very good to be with you guys well thank you yeah um and we're and there's more to come because we're going to do after hours so so folks if uh you're listening uh please please uh consider joining us there but you know the best thing kyle you know this better than anybody about beer in a movie is that the conversation does not end here you can find us on social media we're on facebook we're on instagram we're on twitter Discord, I really point people there. It is so much fun. Kyle, I know that you're there. We bust each other's balls uh, constantly, but we're also getting into kind of deep and meaningful conversations about film and cooking and and beers. And someone asked for advice about uh, uh, child rearing the other day, which I thought was, was amazing. You can find all of the like specific addresses at our website, beer and a movie podcast.com. And we've all, and I'm, and we've mentioned several times that we'll extend this conversation ourselves in the Patreon subscriber only. $5 a month gets you a bonus episode every single week. Patreon.com slash Beer and Movie Podcast. Kyle, it was such an exciting time for me to, to be able to sit down with you this way 
and thank you for being here, man. Oh yeah. Likewise. Um, you know, just seeing that invitation, I got, you know, so excited to even to, uh, even be here at all. So thank you. You know, I'm not a professor of horror by any means, but <laughs> you know, I'm just a guy, I'm just a guy who likes the genre. So, so thank you for uh, hearing me out and I'm glad that you like the two movies I picked. That, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, until next time, don't know why they keep locked doors around here. Nobody wants in and ain't nobody getting out. <laughs>